Welcome to Murder Bucket. I'm your host, Hannah, and this is the podcast where I dive deep into murders, paranormal activity, abductions, kidnappings, and weird stuff. Let's see what I'm going to pull out of the bucket this week. Happy Tuesday, friends. We have made it to the halfway mark on our cold case road trip. If you're new here, you might not know what I'm talking about. I mean, what is the cold case road trip? Let me explain. Each week, we cover two different cold cases in two different locations. We are traveling through all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and five inhabited territories. Tonight, we are on stops 23 and 24, and we'll be visiting New Jersey and Oklahoma. But first, we haven't been together in two weeks. We didn't meet last week because it was Memorial Day, so I decided to obviously take some time with my family, kind of relax a little bit, and not really worry about Murder Bucket. Not that I don't worry about Murder Bucket on a daily basis, but you know what I mean. Let's do a quick weekend slash week recap. I recently took a Dora the Explorer table that a friend of mine gave me at my baby shower and sanded it down, painted it with chalkboard paint and yellow paint so that my daughter could have a little craft table in her play area in her living room. And I personally think that it turned out really cute. I'll have to post some pictures on Murder Bucket's Instagram and Twitter in case you guys want to see it. Memorial Day, we spent a lot of it at our friend's house who are essentially our family. We ate a ton of food like you always do at family gatherings. We played games. We hung out in the basement. We just kind of did goofy stuff. The guys played football in the backyard really quick. And then a few of them actually jumped in the pool, which you would think in June wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for some reason, Memorial Day weekend, it was about 50 degrees here in Maryland and raining. Then this weekend, it was actually in the 90s. So my husband and I got this like splash pad thing at Sam's for our daughter, which is essentially a outside waterbed. So you fill it up with water and then they can kind of bounce around on it. And then if you put the hose in a different area, it will shoot water out of the side. She seemed to really enjoy that, which was super cute because now that she's gotten a little bit older, she's kind of found things that she really enjoys. She laughs at a lot of her little shows that she watches now. She gets excited about different songs that she hears or gets really excited when other people come to the house and she hasn't seen them in a little while. So it was just really cute. And finally, yesterday, I went on a short little bike ride It's about six and a half miles, probably about just half an hour down to a little trail that we have by our house. I would have probably gone a little bit further, 
but I'm having some issues with the tires on my bike. I've aired them up a couple of times, but I think there might be some tiny little holes in there somewhere because they just seem to be flat all the time. Now, it looks like we only got one response on our post on Instagram and Twitter, seeing how your guys' week and weekend was. Not a big deal. That post came from Mila243. She said yesterday they celebrated their daughter graduating from preschool, and yesterday was her daughter's fifth birthday. Happy birthday, Mila243's daughter. Before we move on to our first stop tonight, I would like to share something with you all. I'm sure you've heard me talk about my friend Lindsay, who is going on a 300-mile bike trip at the end of June. You have to be curious why someone would go on a 300-mile bike trip. Well, she's going to support an organization called New International. This tour is to help benefit the youth in the Philippines. And their beneficiary ministry is called Wipe Every Tear. Wipe Every Tear is committed to bringing hope and healing in the lives of women trafficked in the sex trade in the Philippines. From safe places to call home, education through college, and holistic healing, women have the opportunity to have their lives fully restored. Wipe Every Tear's hope is to utilize the prayers and funds raised from this bike tour to fund higher volume meal outreaches that will significantly increase the trust building with girls who have been exploited by sex trafficking. It is wipe every tears hope that they will choose freedom and move into their care as a result of this new impactful facade of their ministry. If you would like to help them reach this goal, please visit the link that I will have at the bottom of our show notes. Moving on to our first cold case. Stop 23, New Jersey. On March 31st, 1985, Absecond police received a report of a body in the eastbound lane of Route 30. The caller told police that he saw two men fighting inside a car that was parked on the shoulder earlier that morning. When the witness came back to the scene, he found the car gone and a man slumped over and bleeding on the ground. When officers arrived, they found the deceased man had been fatally stabbed. That victim was later identified as 51-year-old Raul Suarez. Raul was a revered member of the community. He hosted a cable TV program and radio talk show in Atlantic City. He was the master of ceremonies at Atlantic City's 500 Club and Grable's Restaurant Lounge and Catering. While there, he met entertainers such as Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Jerry Lewis. He was given the stage name Cook's Books, but some called him Cookie. He was also a cab driver. It's mentioned in an article on APP.com that he would sometimes leave his cab running outside the club's and run inside to sing a few songs with the band. He had such a positive outlook on life that he had his own personal motto, every day is a miracle. He had that emblazoned in sticker letters on his cab. His cab was located several hours later in the 800 block of North Michigan Avenue. The front seat was covered in blood. 
There are two Facebook pages dedicated to helping solve his murder that are run by his niece and nephew, Moro and Mario Suarez. They are updated regularly. On app.com, Moro is quoted saying, My brother and I went everywhere with him. He was like our second dad. At the time it happened, it really caught us off guard because he was so loved. The only thing that we can figure out is that he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was such an outgoing and trusting person. During this investigation, over 160 individuals were interviewed. Even though investigators classified his murder as a random crime that involved robbery, his niece and nephew don't believe that because he was found still wearing his jewelry and had $40 in his pocket. It is believed that a bout with polio that had affected one of his hands made him more vulnerable to his attackers. Even though he was killed almost two decades ago, investigators are actively retesting evidence in this case. When he was laid to rest, many of the flowers came from the likes of Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra. If you have any information regarding the murder of Raul Suarez, you are encouraged to call the Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office. Thank you to Unidragon for sponsoring tonight's episode. Everyone has faced the same problem. Finding the perfect gift to give a friend, your husband, your nephew, or even yourself. There are so many things to choose from, but I have the solution. It's called Unidragon, expertly crafted wooden puzzles. Here's why so many people love Unidragon puzzles. Every puzzle piece has its own unique shape. They have an incredibly colorful design. Each puzzle is packed in a premium wooden gift box. Every month, Unidragon releases new puzzles, and they are interesting for adults and children. Now, I recently got the Charming Owl puzzle. I knew it was going to come in a wooden box, but I didn't expect for it to be so pretty. This puzzle is a work of art. And when I finish with it, I might frame it. Now, Unidragon has a special offer for all Murder Bucket listeners. If you go to unidragon.com and enter the promo code BUCKET, you'll receive 10% off your order. That's BUCKET, B-U-C-K-E-T, for 10% off. Stop 24, Oklahoma. On the evening of December 29, 1999, 16-year-old Laura Bible spent the evening at 16-year-old Ashley Freeman's home outside Welch, Oklahoma. They were celebrating Ashley's birthday. The next morning, a passerby called 911 to report that Ashley's home was engulfed in flames. Once the fire was gone, investigators searched inside for bodies and evidence. It was determined that the cause of the fire was arson. Inside, they found the charred remains of Ashley's mom, Kathy. She was found in her bedroom and had been shot in the head. Initially, because no other bodies were found inside, police extrapolated that Ashley's father, Danny, 
had slain his wife and fled with the girls. Laura's car was found in the driveway with the key still in the ignition. Laura's parents went to the scene on December 31st in hopes of finding any clues that the police might have missed. While inside, they stumbled upon another body in the rubble and immediately notified the police. This body was determined to be that of Danny. So the previously assumed theory was thrown out the window. Like Kathy, he was also shot in the head. Later, the medical examiner stated that his collarbone had been fractured prior to the gunshot wound. They also determined that Kathy died around 5 in the morning. Danny's body was partially covered in debris in the bedroom, which is why his remains were overlooked during that initial search. The Freeman's trailer did not have any running water and was heated by a wood-burning stove. Many people described the family as avid hunters and outdoor enthusiasts. There were numerous firearms found inside the home. Jeremy Hurst, who was Ashley's boyfriend, told investigators that he met Ashley, Laura, and Kathy at Walmart after dinner. He gave Ashley a silver chain with a heart-shaped pendant embedded with her birthstone for her birthday. He then accompanied the women back to the house. He told investigators that nothing seemed amiss and that he left around 9.30. But relatives of Ashley's father, Danny, were also over that evening and told investigators that Jeremy didn't leave until 10.30. Investigators said no outgoing calls were made from the family's home that evening. It was planned the next morning for Kathy to take Ashley for her driver's test. Laura had a dentist appointment scheduled and was planning to leave the house just before. Laura's mother, Laureen, told reporters that Ashley was saving money to purchase a vehicle. It's believed that she had roughly $1,200 in her savings account. Jeremy contradicts that statement by claiming that she actually had about $3,000 to $4,000. During that time, she worked part-time at a convenience store called Roscoe's to save money. Laureen then told investigators that Ashley and Danny had been arguing about the vehicle that she was looking to buy. The reason? She wanted to buy a different vehicle than Danny had agreed to. It is said that Danny had a violent temper and was charged with abusing his son Shane. Let's quickly rewind to 1998. Oklahoma police officer David Hayes encountered Shane on a country road in possession of a stolen vehicle. He had broken down when Officer Hayes pulled up behind him. Shane then allegedly reached behind his back for a gun, which prompted Officer Hayes to fire at him. He was shot and killed. The incident was investigated and Officer Hayes' actions were found to be justified. Two months after his death, Danny was put on trial for child abuse in March of 1999. He was acquitted of all charges after jurors requested that he attend counseling was denied. Danny blamed the police for his son's death and spoke out against them several times in the media. Officer Hayes and his brother, who was also a police officer, took a polygraph test in 1999 after the girls disappeared. They were not considered suspects. 
Two convicted killers, Tommy Sells and Jeremy Jones, confessed to murdering the girls, but then subsequently recanted their admissions. Jeremy claimed he murdered the Freemans as a favor for a friend over a drug debt. He told police that he took the girls' bodies to Kansas and threw them into an abandoned mine. Police searched that mine, but found nothing. That's when Jeremy admitted that he fabricated the entire story just to get better food and additional phone privileges in prison. In 2017, Craig County Sheriff's Office found some previously unknown notes and documents about the case, including notes from a private investigator. They were left from the previous sheriff administration and had apparently been misplaced. With the information found in the notes, investigators received additional leads linking Warren Welsh, David Pennington, and Ronnie Busick to the case. Authorities believe that these three men went to the trailer that evening, killed Danny and Kathy, set fire to the trailer, and kidnapped the girls. An auto insurance card that belonged to Warren's girlfriend was found near the crime scene a few days after the entire incident. Warren's girlfriend claimed that she didn't know the Freemans and had never been to their home. She later admitted that Warren knew Danny. Warren lived in a house less than a mile south of the Freemans' home, which made him their closest neighbor. At the time, the insurance card didn't provide police with much, so they refused to accept it into evidence. A witness who lived with Warren at the time provided a sworn affidavit that she heard conversations between the three men regarding that the murder victims had owed them money and that Warren had a briefcase full of Polaroid photos that showed both girls bound and gagged with duct tape. Unfortunately, these photos disappeared when they were put into a trunk of a car that was hauled off to a salvage yard. Warren and David apparently threatened witnesses regarding these murders. And because of these threats, no witnesses came forward until those lost notes were found in 2017. When Ronnie was arrested for the homicide, he claimed to have suffered memory loss and didn't remember what happened that night. It is reported that he has a low average IQ and sustained brain damage from extensive drug use and from an incident in 1978. When he was examined by a neuropsychologist, he was found to have a hard time processing information, but was found legally competent to stand trial. Ronnie pleaded guilty on July 15, 2020, to being an accessory to first-degree murder in the deaths of Kathy and Danny Freeman, the torching of their home, and the abduction and possible slaying of Laura and Ashley. He admitted to withholding information about Warren and David's involvement. He was sentenced to 15 years, with 10 of those years to be spent in lockup. Even though Ronnie was convicted for these crimes, I believe this case is still cold, as Ashley and Laura's bodies have yet to be found. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Ashley and Laura's bodies, you are asked to contact the FBI Oklahoma office or the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. That concludes tonight's episode. But before you go... Check out this promo from my friend Gabe at Fugues Podcast.
Did you ever have one of those epic dreams that seems to cover three months of time, multiple locations, your dead grandmother, and your first boyfriend? And they're dating, and it's creeping you out, so you instinctively draw yourself away. Eyes open now, you're looking around your bedroom, and you're reminded that your divorced mother is dating a much younger man. And then, hoping maybe you've somehow cleared the dream slate, you fall asleep again, and you're dropped right back in the dream where you left off watching your sweet Nana make out with Jeremy Barlow. In Fugues, we'll hear your dreams, but we'll also explore how they work. Okay, have you ever had an argument with your boss in the shower? I mean, she's not physically in the shower, you know what I mean, but it's a whole scene playing out with your version of her telling you in great detail how you blew the last project or whatever, and you're fighting back, you know, making your case. So while the water's pouring down your back, do you speak out loud to the phantom version of her okay good so do i in fugues we'll hear how people interact with the personas the inner representations of the important people in their lives your mother your god your high school chemistry teacher barack obama they're all in there and you're having inner dialogues with them probably more than you know Remember how you said you were going to quit smoking a month ago, and you were really nailing it this time, no setbacks. Then you Netflixed a couple episodes of Mad Men after dinner one night and watched yourself, as if from a little mental cage, go buy a pack of camels. In other words, is free will an illusion? For me, the quick answer is kind of, but not all the time, and maybe that's not even the right question. We'll talk about what the right question might be. Hey, this sounds like an infomercial. What? This... Sounds like an info. Fuck you, man. So what do these things have in common? I believe hidden inside these examples of everyday moments are clues. Clues that help us identify the invisible but universal elements of our movie-like experience of the world. Oh my god. What now? This is boring. Would you be quiet? What's the name of the podcast? I'm getting to that. Quick editor's note, that asshole you're hearing, that's my inner voice. It's basically always there, and it's not always such an asshole, but it's an example of one of the mental ingredients or phenomenon that we'll be talking about in Fugues. <laughs> Dork, thanks for the shout-out. Shouldn't you explain the nerdy title now? Would you shut up? Come on, what's a fugue, man? Actually, that's, that's a fair question. Conventionally defined, a fugue is two things. It's a piece of music with multiple melodies played at the same time, and it's also a trance state of psychosis where a person experiences amnesia and loses their sense of self. Still don't get it. I'm not done. What connects both meanings is they have a beginning, middle, and end. So each story that we tell here, be it an autobiographical event of my own or from one of my guests, or from a fictional character in an alternate timeline, we may get a little sci-fi here is a fugue. Each story is a fugue. And each fugue will illustrate a handful of mental ingredients. Shouldn't you have led with this? I'm Gabriel Barrison, and I'll be your host. And I'll be your co-host, Gabe's inner voice. God, you suck. Together, we'll explore how these ingredients impact our thinking and behavior to help us understand ourselves and others better, to become more self-aware. Maybe this could enable us to get the most out of our funny and tragic Miraculous lives. Sounds culty. It's not culty, dude. There's no ritual sacrifice or sex slaves. Okay, Keith And I'm always on the lookout for more fugues. So if you heard anything that resonates, a unique story of a universal experience, 
From eating an ice cream cone while you're on diet to meeting a celebrity, email me a quick summary at fugespod at gmail.com. So that's F-U-G-U-E-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. No thanks. So that's it. Subscribe to stay notified of new episodes and do all the other great stuff. Rate and comment so we can flag the mindless algorithms. See you soon. Oh, sure. See you soon, L. Ron Howard. Oh, come on. See you out there, guy from Wild Wild Country. <laughs> Good one. His name's Bogwan, I think. Good luck with your new following, James Arthur Ray. Oh, yeah, that guy's out of jail. Hey, what should we eat for dinner? No, no, just not beans. All you do is complain. Do you have any ideas? Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you have enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Murdbucket, Twitter at The Murder Bucket, and Facebook at Bucket Murd. Check out weekly posts regarding new episodes and chime in on the weekend slash week recaps. I would love to get to know you better. Have a great day.